This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Back to the channel and welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat podcast where I'm uh, delighted to bring back Ryan Taylor from the Daily Express. Ryan, how are you? I'm all good, thanks Chris. Thanks for, for bringing me back on. Hopefully that means I've, I've done something right. <laughs> it's, it's a pleasure having you back, Ryan. Uh, by the way, how's your YouTube going, your YouTube channel? To be honest, Chris, um, because it's kind of transfer related, I kind of uh, switch off really outside of the window in terms of uh, uploading to that. Um, I, I need to kind of decide exactly what I'm going to do with it. Um, but definitely in the window, uh, when January starts, I'll be uploading regularly again. But I'll probably need to find a way of, um, you know, closing that gap outside of the uh, the windows just to, to make sure it's still active because obviously you'll probably lose subscribers and stuff. But like I said, yeah, in January, I will really ramp that up again. Well, Ryan, one thing that we want to talk about today is uh, possible transfers uh, in the January transfer window for Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, but before yeah. we come on to Spurs, uh, of course, we're in the middle of the World Cup at the moment in Qatar. Uh, what have you made of the uh, of the tournament so far? I've really enjoyed it, to be honest with you. I think, obviously, it's, it's impossible to avoid the, the noise um, and the... You know, the, the issues surrounding the World Cup in Qatar in terms of the, the workers' rights and you know, the laws in the country, which obviously, you know, rightly so, divide opinion. I think um, the the journalists and also the broadcasters working on it have done a really good job in shining light on those um, those issues, really, that, that shouldn't be ignored. Um, you know, personally, I, I still, I'm still of the opinion that it should never have been held in Qatar. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know, I, I kind of understand... Um, as difficult as it is to say that the country has laws that need to be respected during during the tournament, so to speak. But in terms of the actual football, I just think the World Cup is just something that is, is just unrivaled in terms of um, football itself. I think the games that this, this tournament have really sort of been one of two ways. They've either been thrillers, which we've obviously seen today, even though I've missed the match, Lee, but, um, or goalless draws or 
sort of cagey yeah. one nils. Um, so I've kind of enjoyed that mix, but at the same time, I think I feel like there's been some really excellent games. Um, I've, I've sat through the majority of them, um, not really moved much from the sofa when the the games are on four times a day, but it's all part of it. And I'm not really looking forward to when it goes to that that knockout stage where there's a little bit of a break between the uh, the games because obviously there's not as many with the group stage because we have to get through so many. Four games a day, Ryan. Too much for you. <laughs> Sometimes, I, I, as I was saying to you before we started the recording, I kind of had to switch off today, um, take my dog out for a walk, grab a coffee and, and go in the gym and, and just block it out. out. But I'm planning to watch the uh, the next game after this and yeah, tomorrow I'll be back full throttle, four games a day. If it, I know it's is it two tomorrow? I think it might be two. Um, hopefully it's four, but we'll see. <laughs> well, you know what I'm going to ask next? What's, what's been your moment so far of the World Cup? Because there has been some fantastic moments. There's been some upsets. And uh, for me personally, uh, I think you know what I'm going to say. Uh, Richarlison's fantastic goal for Brazil. Uh, what, what's yeah. been your moment of the tournament so far? My moment probably would have to be... I'm a big Messi fan, so Messi's goal against Argentina uh, against Mexico, sorry for Argentina the other day. I feel like, you know, that was the time where the country was relying on him, and he, he stepped up and delivered in a moment of, um, you know, real difficulty and adversity. Um, or on the flip side, Saudi Arabia's comeback against uh, Argentina was just—it was mind-blowing, really. I've, I've never saw that coming, and Saudi have been such an impressive, you know, addition to the World Cup really this year. Usually. I think 2018, they were kind of, you know, they're kind of like a, a whipping boys kind of team with all due respect, although they, I don't think they were thrashed other than against Russia in the in the, the first game last time around. But, you know, the way they play and um, the French manager, I think it's uh, René Havard or something like that, but he's, he's really quite impressive. Ryan, what, um, what chances do you think England have this time around? Do you think we're finally going to get over that line and lift the World Cup? Depends what day you ask me, Chris, because if it's after we beat Iran 6-2, I think we're going all the way. But, you know, after that game on Friday, I think it was a bit of a reality check, so to speak. Um, and the narrative does tend to to swing so drastically with England. You know, it, it's either up here or you're down here. It's like the Scotland draw at the Euros. You know, that was the end of the world at the time. But, you know, over the course of... Um, you know, hindsight and stuff, it, it actually wasn't the worst result. And I think that could be the case with the USA game, providing England beat Wales um, on Tuesday, tomorrow, to, to secure top spot. Um, obviously, if they were not to win that and to come second, say Iran beat the United States or vice versa, then you then play Holland in the last 16, probably. Um, so it does change, but... I think England are as good as anyone when they're, you know, on song. But it's hard because you don't want to get carried away. But I would expect them to at least reach the quarterfinals. And hopefully, you know, there's no reason really why they can't go to the final, providing they turn up. Because, you know, on paper, we have one of the best squads, if not the best, in, in the tournament. Other than Brazil, right, maybe. England captain, England captain Harry Kane, would you expect him to be dropped? Would you drop him if it was your decision for the game against Wales? I feel like unless I had a clear understanding and medical report, et cetera, and, and spoke to Kane, you know, it'd be probably hard for me to, to make that decision. But if Kane deems himself fit, then he plays for me every day of the week. I think as we saw with the Euros, you know, it's ridiculous. People were writing him off after the group stage. But I always said, do not write off Harry Kane. The, the guy is world class. Um, you know, he's a top level striker who will, he only needs a, one sniff at goal and he will, he will score. And, yeah. you know, I was adamant that day before we played Germany at Wembley that he was going to score, and he did. And um, I know he's had his fitness problems, and it, it is frustrating because I feel like Kane, we've not seen him in top, top physical condition. You know, even last season when he we had the season he did, or it might have been the year before where he got the golden boot and the playmaker. Um, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't feel like I've seen Harry Kane in, in prime physical condition since, like, the 2018 World Cup. You know, you, as a Spurs fan, Chris, you might correct me on that. But he plays so many I mean. games, though, Ryan. That this, this, exactly. this is the problem. This is yeah. what I mean. And, you know, it's not me saying that I don't think he looks sharp or anything because he, he is obviously still streets above, you know, the majority of the other players on the pitch. But he kind of looks leggy at times. And, you know, luckily his game isn't too dependent on 
on speed or anything like that. He's never had pace. He's a clever player. Um, but, you know, I've not really seen Kane look like unbelievably fresh for, for a long time. And it, it's sad, really, because he's had so many unfortunate little niggles and, and ankle injuries. And, you know, it, yeah. it does eventually add up. But, you know, for me, he plays all the time because he's, you know, he's world class and he's, he's one of the best players in the world. It's simple as that, really. You would expect England to beat Wales on uh, on Tuesday evening? It depends if they apply themselves. If they're going to under underestimate Wales, then I don't think it's a given. But what I would say is, you know, I watched Wales against Iran and they were really, really poor. Um, Bale and Ramsey's powers seem to have waned. And, you know, even the ones with pace and legs like um, Dan James and Brennan Johnson, they just didn't really look up to the required level. Um, the defence was really kind of fragile as well, particularly at the end of that game. So, you know, I think England, if, if they apply themselves and they turn up, I, I feel like they should win comfortably. But obviously the fact they're, um, you know, a British, it's a British derby and, you know, that does come into it and it, it might just give Wales an extra gear. Right, let's get on to talking about Spurs. Now, um, what have you made of Tottenham's season so far? Because, of course, uh, we're under Antonio Conte. We're sitting in fourth place uh, during this uh, winter break uh, for the World Cup. We're in the last 16 of the Champions League. We got knocked out uh, by Nottingham Forest in the Carabao Cup. We're still in the FA Cup. Um, what have you made of uh, Spurs' season so far? Have you, have you been pleased with Tottenham uh, and their performances? I think it's been a real mixed bag for, for Spurs, really, Chris. I think the kind of key point that I would sort of make after you asking me that question, was that even when Spurs were flying at the start of the season, you know, I write Mercer's column and I, I speak to him once a week, Paul Merson, and, and something that he said, which I totally agreed with, was Spurs never seemed to have played well, despite being, you know, they were, I think they'd won sort of 1-7, drawn 2, lost 1 or something. They were right in the mix at the top. But, you know, I know he's a, an Arsenal man and he's, he actually supports Chelsea, but he was right in what he was saying. I hadn't seen Spurs really hit top gear other than that opening day of the season win against Southampton when I thought, wow, Spurs, you know, that they look really good. Um, but that's not to say what they had, you know, the results weren't impressive because they clearly had something about them to dig out wins. And, and you know, when Kulisevsky was in the side and fit, I think the injury there really had a, a, a damaging impact upon Spurs this season. Um, and kind of all confidence seemed to really sort of be sucked out of the team. Um, I don't know, to be honest with you. I feel like, you know, Spurs can still be sort of satisfied in a weird way with, with how the season's gone so far because ultimately they're out of the Champions League group and they're in the top four picture, which is what Conte would have wanted. But in terms of making strides on... You know, on last season, I don't really feel like Spurs are sort of any closer to where they, they need to be. And and that's a bit of a concern, really, with, uh, you know, Conte's contract and Kane's contract, because Tottenham really need to make that progress now. Otherwise, you know, they're going to have problems keeping the likes of Kane and Son, because they're not going to want to play for top four every season. It's it's just the same, same old, really. For me, Ryan, and, and I think for a lot of Tottenham Hotspur fans, if you would have said to uh, all of us, that Spurs would be sitting in the top four and in the last 16 of the Champions League, uh, you know, when, when we when we took that international break for the World Cup, everyone would have taken it. Um, mm -hmm. Is it a concern for you about the performances? Because, you know, the Spurs fans like the position we're in, but they want to be entertained. Do you think that that entertainment will come? Maybe not under Antonio Conte, because he's, he's not interested in entertaining fans. He's interested in results. And, you know, his way of playing is to be tight defensively, but to, you know, to score two or three goals a game, really, and, and nick a 1-0 where you can. I think in terms of entertainment, the, the thing that stands out in my mind is I remember seeing the starting lineup a couple of weeks ago at Bournemouth, and it was a 3-5-2, and the three central midfielders were Hoiberg, Basuma, and Oliver Skiff, I think. And I really looked at that team, and I, I just found it so negative. Um, I think the attacking players Spurs have at their disposal um, obviously, when everyone's fit, is is largely impressive. But even when they don't, at the moment, you know, when Richarlison and, and Kulisevsky have been injured, there's been a reluctance to let the likes of Brian Hill off the leash. I know he's had glimpses, but he's not really been given a, a proper run in the side. And, and let's not forget, you know, he was signed for about 25 million plus Eric Lamella. Now, if he's not going to be ready now, you do question whether he's ever going to be, you know, fit for that project. 
Um, I think the three-five-two has been incredibly negative, to be honest. Um, although you know that extra man in midfield has tightened things up, and I know a lot of Spurs fans were were calling for that. They were. I really, I really think three-four-three is is the way forward for Spurs. Like I said, I know that injuries did you know impact the team selection a lot, but you know if you're not going to have that quality in, in depth and you're not going to use the, the likes of Hill, the team looks very rigid and. I think, you know, there is a real need for, I, I talked to you about this in the summer, but a, a number 10, a creative midfield player that can really, you know, like a Christian Eriksen that can really play make. And he, it would make the transition from a, a 3-4-3 to a 3-5-2 with a, a creative midfielder much easier. Um, at the moment, when it goes to 3-5-2, it's very rigid and flat. It's almost like three workhorses in the middle. But actually, you need some form of service for the strikers. Ron, what have you made of Antonio Conte's first year in charge at Tottenham? I think it's been really mixed as well. You know, as we said at the start of the season, there was a real excitement about Spurs. And, you know, I thought they were well and truly in the mix for for the top four, uh, for the title, sorry, not the top four. The top four looks, you know, almost Spurs look guaranteed to get top four almost. And that, that's no longer a, a certainty as such. Um but I think where Spurs have really been let down this year is in terms of their uh, performances and, and results in the big games. Um, you know, losing to Arsenal, losing away at United, losing at home to Liverpool, yeah. um, losing to Newcastle. I mean, the draw at Stamford Bridge was all right. I thought Spurs played really well that day, actually. Well, they, they played well when they had to salvage something. I think Chelsea were dominant, but, you know, they showed character, whereas that hasn't been the case in the, the other games. Um, so I think if they fix that Spurs, you know, they they, they will be all right because they don't tend to slip up against the, the lesser side, so to speak. Um, you know, there might be the odd result, but, you know, that hasn't always been the case in the past. Spurs have had problems, you know, drawing at home stupid games, you know, losing even at home. And they lost at home to Southampton last season, 3-2 or drew 3 all. And that one sticks out for me. And, you know, in the top four race, you can't really afford to have too many of those. Ron, what did you what have you made of the the players that Spurs signed in the summer window? Because of course I spoke to you in the summer. Uh, Spurs were very active in bringing in players. It was all about uh, quantity. Uh, Rashalison, Lengley, Perisic, Spence, Forster, Saar, Pasuma, uh, and Yudogi, of course, is still out on loan. Um, what have you made of the players that have actually featured in a Spurs shirt? Um, Saar hasn't played any minutes in the Premier League for Tottenham so far. Forster has only had one um, League Cup appearance. Uh, Jed Spence has only had three Premier League appearances. They've all uh, come off the bench. Uh, Basuma, 14 um, appearances in the Premier League. Perisic, 15. Uh, Lengley, of course, uh, joined us on loan. Uh, eight Premier League appearances. Richarlison, 10 Premier League uh, appearances. Zero goals in the Premier League. But, of course, he's scored a couple in the Champions League. What have you made of uh, the eight summer signings for Tottenham? Well, I think, you know, I'll be the first to admit that, that when Spurs... I think we talked about the making the six signings before the South Korea trip, which didn't quite come off because Spence arrived a little bit later. But you know, I was really, um, you know, not pleased. I'm not a Tottenham fan or anything, but you know, from the outside, I felt like that was a really impressive, progressive window from Tottenham. Um, but I don't really think that's the case anymore. I mean, you know, on paper, looking at those, I think Richarlison is obviously a good signing. He's genuinely improved the team. He's improved the squad depth. Um, but in terms of Basuma, you know, largely disappointing. I don't think we've quite seen the best from him yet. And, you know, I think he'd be happy to admit that as well. Jed Spence haven't, hasn't even played. Now, you know, I've, I've read and, and seen a lot of the stuff about, you know, what people have said about Spence. But the, the fact of the matter is, for me, if he cannot be worth a go over Emerson Royale, then what was the point in signing him? You know, he might not be ready yet, but when Emerson is performing the way he is and letting the team down, as much as yep. he is, you know, you really have to scratch your head and, and think to yourself, why did Spurs, you know, spend all those weeks? You know, I, I talked about the Spence deal for so many weeks and it almost got boring, but they yep. really wanted him. They didn't give up on him. They got him. But they, you know, I think clearly Conte isn't a fan. Um, you know, he came out and said that it wasn't his sign-in, which I think completely kills the players' confidence. Um, obviously, there's kind of been little social media stuff as well from Spence's family or, or girlfriend. Um, I think that's probably not helped his case in terms of playing. Longley, I think, is still right because it's a bit of a risk-free one. You know, 
if he's not going to stay at Spurs at the end of the season, they'll go out and sign another left-sided central defender. I think that was a, you know, it was a no-brainer really to to bring him through the door. Um, and Perisic has been really disappointing. I love Perisic, and I've been a big fan of him ever since he was in the Bundesliga with uh, with Dortmund. He's had you know spells with Wolfsburg as well. Was really sharp at um, Inter Milan, but you know he's getting on a bit now, and we haven't quite seen him at his best. You know, even at the World Cup. So I'm still hopeful that Perisic might come good because I think he's perfect for Spurs' system. But at the same time, you know, you can't take anything away from Ryan Sessegnon because it seems to have improved him. Now, having that extra competition, it's really up Sessegnon's game, even though, you know, he's still not the finished article. I've really sort of enjoyed his uh, his progression in the past few years because obviously he didn't really go to, to plan when he originally joined from Fulham. Ryan, just want to go back to your point about Jed Spence. Um, why do you think it is that Antonio Conte is not giving him the chance? Because I completely agree with you. Most Spurs fans will completely agree with you. Um, you know, whoever is getting, you know, not getting in um, above Emerson Royale, there is something seriously wrong. Exactly. You know, it's it doesn't take a, you know, I'm not claiming to to be a, a football expert as such, but it doesn't take a football genius to, to watch Spurs and, and know that, Emerson Royale was at a fault for a lot of goals and moments in games that, that mean Tottenham lose control. Um, yeah, it's a mystery really why he's um, continued to be picked really up. I have seen Emerson play well, you know, away at Liverpool last season. He was he's brilliant, um, but it's not he's not consistent enough with that and he's not reliable enough and he will have a moment of madness. So I think from the outside looking in, even if Spence is, is rotated with Emerson, he's worthy of a go. And and I just question, you know, whether Conte was even fussed about signing him in the first place. You know, when he came out and said, you know, it wasn't my signing, I really kind of find that strange because even if that is the case, you know, what that must do for a player's confidence when he hears that, it's almost like he doesn't want me, he doesn't rate me, he doesn't know why I'm here. So, you know, it's not really going to give you huge belief and, it, you know, should give you the motivation to prove him wrong. But, you know, we don't know exactly what goes on on the training ground but if if Spence is continually overlooked I would question you know why Spurs spent so much time on him um, and I just want to talk about Paratici as well like in terms of a, a strategist you know and his eye for talent you know I think it's it's exceptional and I do think it's improved the foundations at Spurs but if you actually look at his track record in terms of how the, some of the signings have actually performed um, I'm talking more about the the younger ones, sort of Saw, Brian Hill, um, Spence. You do sort of question if these players are ever going to get a look in. You know, if Brian Hill left in the summer for less than he joined in terms of value, you know, it's kind of defeating the object of Paratici being there, really. I know he did pull off two unbelievable signings with Ben Tankor and, and Kulisevsky, Kulisevsky, but in terms of investing in young players, I don't really see a clear pathway at Spurs at the moment for that to happen. And you know, if you look how bad Spurs have been in patches this season, you do question why some of those players haven't been given a go. Um, you know, particularly in the Carabao Cup game when they went out, you know, played a strong team and still lost. It's like, you know, when are these players going to receive a, an opportunity as such? Well, Brian Hill, of course, was bought for Nuno Espirito Santo. And, and me personally, Ryan, I don't think that that signing would have ever happened uh, if Antonio Conte was uh, was manager there. Yeah. Um, you, you brought up uh, Brian Hill and, and Pape Matassar. Would you expect uh, one or, or, or even, and even both of them to go out on loan in the January window? Yes, I think that's very highly likely. Um, obviously, Hill came close to leaving in, on deadline day, I think it was, back to Valencia on loan. Um, but the deal collapsed because Tottenham can get a replacement and Conte was quite clear. And the same kind of uh, line of thinking still applies, that if, if Spurs can't sign another winger in place of Hill this January, then he won't leave, you know, even though he's not in, in the team. Um, Spurs are, are going to go for a winger in January. I don't know the magnitude of, of how big they're going to go for it. It's probably going to be more than likely a squad player or a younger player with... Um, you know, potential for the future. But um, Conte is very kind of stubborn on the fact that he doesn't really like letting players leave unless there is a play replacement coming through the door. And that's even though he doesn't really play Brian yeah. Hill. I know there is interest in Saar as well. I was interested to see whether he would uh, play more at the World Cup. Um, he's really highly rated by 
um, his country. And, and, you know, when he was at Mets, there was a lot of scouts from across the continent um, looking at him. Um, Mets, his president, actually flew to London to hold meetings with several Premier League clubs, not just Spurs. Um, so he's a player that's held in high regard in, you know, amongst Premier League clubs as well and chairmen's owners as such. Um, but, yeah, I think alone is, you know, quite a highly likely probability for Saar in particular because, you know, he just hasn't played. Um, you know, if you look at Spurs' options in midfield with Hoiberg and Bentancourt, um, you know, it's clear they are a level above because Saar is still a prospect and, you know, we we don't really expect... Um, them to Saar to be getting much game time anytime soon, particularly with the League Cup um, situation where Spurs are out. And, you know, I think the FA Cup would be one Conte could look to prioritise as well. It's a strange one, isn't it? No competitive minutes for Saar uh, in a Tottenham Hotspur shirt, uh, but he came on in the World Cup. He's had World Cup minutes. It's, it's crazy. Um, Tanganga and uh, Jed Spence, would you expect one or two of them to go out um, in the January transfer window on, on loan? Because... It's an interesting one for me because Antonio Conte is now working with the likes of Emerson Royale and Jed Spence uh, a Hotspur way. Um, so do you think that he can improve um, Emerson Royale anymore? Do you think that Jed Spence, if he's not going to get his opportunity when Spurs come back after the international break, then clearly, um, you know, someone like Jed Spence, who played literally every minute of last season, surely he's got to get game time. I mean, you know, only Conte is the man that can answer that, you know, that kind of question really, just because like like we've just discussed, I don't think we, we can truly um, understand and determine the reasons why he's continually being overlooked. You know, we can read into some of the sort of coy comments Conte has, has said, but like you said, if his time isn't going to come now, then you do wonder where it will in the season. Um, hopefully... Spence is looking at the situation with a determination to turn things around. Um, in terms of Tanganga, um, I know his agent has held a, held a lot of conversations with clubs across Europe, um, not only yeah. in the Premier League, but Italy. There's strong interest from AC Milan. Um, I know he's very highly rated by Jose Mourinho, who, of course, of course uh, brought him through in the 2019-20 season. I remember that game he had against Liverpool was really impressive. Um, even one of Jose's first training sessions, there was that clip of, uh, you know, him uh, praising Tanganga for tackling Ronaldo. I think it was in a preseason friendly against Juventus. So there is, he's a player that's held in in high regard in in other quarters. Just because it it hasn't worked out for him under Conte at Spurs, it doesn't mean he's he's not a good player. Um, and I think realistically, his representatives and the club will look look at that situation and look at potentially moving him on. You know, if Tanganga's not even going to get minutes when there's defensive injuries for Spurs, then, you know, it's clear it's probably not going to suddenly turn around for him, unfortunately. Ryan, Harry came a bit of contract at Spurs in the summer of 2024. Do you expect him to sign a new contract sometime soon? It's anyone's guess. I think I've, I've found it really strange the links to Bayern Munich because they don't seem to go away. The reason I find them so strange is, you know, from the outside looking in, you know, it would hard, it'd be hard to comprehend Harry Kane leaving the Premier League at this stage of his career. You know, he's a home boy. He's very much family orientated in, in terms of, you know, what we've seen um, over the years. Um, very, you know, his affiliation to Tottenham, you know, can't really be questioned despite his desire to leave and, and try and win trophies because he's stuck with the club for a long time during, you know, periods where, it's clear they're not really going to have much success. So I think the Premier League goal-scoring record, the Alan Shearer one, is is 100% the priority at the moment. But like I said, the, the Bayern Munich links, I don't know why, but they don't seem to go away. Um, I think there is genuine interest from Bayern Munich, whether that's being used um, by Kane's brother and his representatives to try and bargain a bigger contract, I don't know. Um, but... You know, I don't really question and, and foresee Harry Kane forcing his way out of Spurs. I think if he feels the club are competitive, then I think he will extend his stay. And if you look at, you know, uh, Man City at the moment, they've got Haaland, so Kane's not going to go there. I think the only realistic avenue is more than likely Manchester United. And, you know, are you going to jump ship and leave Spurs for United at the moment? I don't really see that happening. 
kind of depends how United get on and 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 what happens with Antonio Conte. But you know, my my sort of feeling is that Kane will remain with Spurs. He's kind of a one club man. You know, even though he wanted to leave, but the the desire and his um yeah his desire to win trophies must be matched by the club. It's really that simple. And the same applies to Son. You know, I know he's tied down to a long term contract, but these players do not want to play for top four every season. And that is what's happening at the moment. Yeah, we're certainly uh, overdue trophies. Um, I say it pretty much every day. Um, Antonio Conte's contract, Ryan, um, ends on the 30th of June, 2023. Uh, I counted the days. It is now 214 days until his contract runs out. He said in a press conference a, a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, my contract ends uh, June, 2023. Um Spurs have the option to extend uh, until June 2024. Um, and from what I understand, it is Tottenham's decision whether they extend this contract. Why haven't they extended it as yet? That's a difficult question to answer once again, because, you know, you feel like when when Spurs got Conte, it was a, an incredible pull. It was one of those appointments. You're like, wow, you know, Spurs... They mean business now when they're going to be the ones chasing down Liverpool and Man City. But obviously, it hasn't quite happened. But at the same time, you know, it's like the defeat to Newcastle. Conte said, you know, this is a long-term project. We're going to have these results. But actually, when the manager's not committing himself to a new contract, you know, why should you take those words for, you know, you did question kind of the, uh, you question his intentions, really. I feel like, you know, if he's going to be, sort of using that long-term project as an excuse and you at least want to see a show of commitment from from the manager and you know at the moment there's not really been any concrete indication that he will firmly commit his future to Spurs he seems to just be seeing how the the, the season goes and you know, as we know with Conte he is a, a two to three season max kind of manager um, although he has previously said you know if if the um you know, materials and the, the infrastructure and the resources are, are right at Spurs and there's no reason why you can't replicate Klopp. But I just personally don't see that happening. I'm I'm really kind of, I've kind of got this idea in my head that I can really envisage Poch coming back to Spurs and I think everyone would love it. I think, you know, the entertainment factor would be there. And, you know, realistically, Conte's football is, is it's dull, you know, I love Conte as a manager and I love, you know, what he's achieved. And, you know, this, this, he's an iconic manager. He's a top elite level manager. But personally, you know, I prefer to be entertained along the way. And, you know, some of these performances and results in terms of, you know, sitting back with 10, nine men behind the ball and trying to nick something, you know, it's not really the football for me. And I know Spurs are a fan base that love to be entertained. You've had so many great teams over the years that you know, they may not have won trophies, but Spurs fans look back on them with, with great memories. And that was certainly the case with Pochettino, particularly that season at the, the lane where you went unbeaten in the, the final season. At, um, I think it was 2016-17. You know, Spurs were just brilliant. Ali, Eriksson, Kane. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure you'll be in agreement, Chris, that if you're not going to win trophies, you may as well have a team like that that you, you adore and you will remember. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. And I would love to see Pochettino back one day. Uh, but I do think that Antonio Conte needs his chance, deserves his chance. I want to see this manager fully backed because, as I say on this channel, week by week, um, to go from Pochettino to Jose Mourinho, um, I'm not even going to include Nuno, and then to Antonio Conte, you've got to be winning a trophy under those you know, superb managers. Um, and I just think that in this last year or so, Antonio Conte has come in. You know, We were playing Europa Conference League football. He's got us into Champions League football. Um, he's got us into a position where we are difficult to beat. Yes, I know you said about those defeats uh, so far this season, but as I said earlier, I think a lot of Spurs fans, um, you know, where we are at the moment, sitting top four in the last 16 of the Champions League. I just picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
there's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I think that if Antonio Conte is backed in the right way, he will deliver success. He will deliver a trophy. And honestly, Ryan, if there's any if there's any Spurs fan who probably talked about lack of trophies, it's probably me because um, I just think that us fans are, are so starved of trophies. Like you think of the FA Cup, 1991 was the last time we won yeah. the FA Cup. 2008 was the last time we won a League Cup. Um, you know, it's just it's crazy, crazy uh, stats. And when you said about um, Harry Kane earlier, Hunmin Son, Hugo Lloris, you know, Hugo, Hugo Lloris has been at the club for 10 years. No trophies. Mm. It is absolutely crazy that the quality players we've had over the years and lack of trophies. Um, I just think that if there's anyone um, going to deliver them, I think it's Conte. Are you, are you confident that Conte will be Spurs manager at the start of next season? I couldn't say confident right now because, as as you know, I previously touched upon. You know, Conte has the the kind of character to, you know, things can get messy quite quickly. You know, I don't think that's necessarily the case, and I do believe he's committed to Spurs' project. And you know, like like you've just mentioned, he knows that if he delivered a trophy at, at Spurs, it would be, you know, legendary. Simple as that, really. Yeah. Um, and I do feel like, like you said, this is a, a chance for Spurs to really sort of make the most of it. If you look at Arsenal, for instance, I know that word's not really popular on this channel, Chris, but if you look at no, Arsenal... Ne- they... Neither is Paul Merson. <laughs> Should have told me that earlier. And um, no, I'm joking. I knew that was the case. But um, in terms of, of Spurs, and if you look at Arsenal, you know, I know Arsenal have achieved nothing yet and their season could still amount to nothing, but the, the patience and the backing they've shown Arteta, they're now reaping the rewards of that. And Spurs are already well ahead of where Arsenal were. You know, Arsenal were probably down here when Arteta sort of inherited that team from Emery, where Spurs are already about here. So you just need that little bit more of investment and backing. And, you know, it is frustrating if, if Spurs can't deliver something this season. But once again, you know, another few transfer windows, another few Antonio Conte signings, you know, Kane and Son staying you know, keeping the best players and, and really, you know, a show of commitment from Conte. I think, you know, that Spurs are close to, to doing it. Um, it's just pulling it off and, and also, like you said, continuing to back the manager and, and keeping him on board with the club's idea. And, you know, it is a process, but, you know, Spurs are not a million miles away. You know, it might not be the Premier League, it might be the FA Cup, but like you said, you know, a trophy is a trophy and, Ultimately, Spurs want silverware. Ryan, are you surprised, though? 214 days until Conte's contract ends. If it is Tottenham's decision to activate this extra year that Conte stays, are you surprised that um, they haven't, um, you know, hit hit the trigger and said Conte's staying for another year? Because how many times have we heard in press press conferences, you know, journalists like yourself go into the press conferences and say, Antonio, are you happy at Spurs? And he said yes. He said a number of times he's happy at the club. So why, in your opinion, have the club not activated this 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 clause to extend it until 2024? It's a good question. I think, you know, the general feeling around football clubs at the moment is, you know, there's Spurs will feel relaxed about the situation, you know, even though fans will be sweating on the future of, of Conte. It's probably one that they'll sit down at the end of the season and just... You know, I'm sure they want to keep Conte, but at the moment it makes no sense to to trigger it mid- midway through the season. There needs to be kind of a, um, you know, a focus and and commitment to, you know, what's currently going on. And I, I know you could argue that if Spurs triggered Conte's clause now, there would be maybe an improvement in performance and a, you know, a feeling of this manager's on board with us for the for the foreseeable future, but. I really just don't think that's the way football clubs operate. You know, it's very rare we see that kind of situation happen. I know one that sticks out to uh, to my mind is uh, Solskjaer getting the permanent United job midway through the season. It just didn't really seem the right time. You know, it, it kind of kills the momentum. I know United were flying at the time when it happened and it made sense to them. Um, I know it's slightly different with Spurs and, you know, it's a different sort of demographic looking at the the situation but I really just feel like football club owners are just relaxed and you know Conte probably doesn't 
want to discuss his future at this present moment. He wants to focus on delivering this season and, and making something of the season. And, you know, I'm not entirely convinced Conte is 100% on board for the foreseeable. Um, you know, I feel like there are small frustrations. I don't know what with or, you know, what whether it's with, you know, the club or anything like that. But, you know, sometimes you get these performances and these these home defeats and stuff in it. It does suck it out of you. You know, Conte's used to competing and, and winning. You know, you look at his second season at Chelsea. Yeah, you know, he, he didn't like that. And, and, and when he sort of, um, I think they came fifth and might have won the FA Cup as such, but yeah. it, it sort of, it ate away at Conte. And, you know, this, this will be hurting him at the moment. He wants to, as much as he, he knows and he, he's not silly that, that Man City is streets ahead of Spurs, he, he's a winner. He, he loves winning trophies. You know, these kind of bitterly disappointing defeats to the likes of, you know, Arsenal, et cetera, it, it sucks it out of you, even though, you know, some might argue that, He's the problem because not the problem, but you know, in these games, you know, he's quite stubborn tactically. He doesn't really have the the flexibility to move away from his, what he knows to to turn a game around with with tactical changes or a change of system. Um, so yeah, that's that's my opinion. But you know, ultimately, my opinion probably doesn't really count for much in in the Spurs boardroom. But they may see it very differently. Ryan Conte has certainly said a number of times, um, you know, certainly recently. Um, that Spurs need to keep up, you know, spending money um, in transfer windows. Um, what do you think that Spurs need in the January transfer window? And what do you think is realistic? Just a refresh, Chris. I think, you know, even for a team that invested heavily in the summer and, and made a lot of signings, you know, Spurs squad it. You don't look at it and think, cool, like that is a brilliant, you know, even Newcastle squad at the moment, their team, you look at every player, you know, even the ones that have been there, like Joel Linton, and then the new ones that have come in, like, um, you know, Kieran Trippier, Bruno Gomares, you know, there's there's life and there's excitement. But I look at Spurs' squad and I never feel excited. Um, you know, it's very much sort of, it's solid and it, it, it's decent, but you never look at it and think like, wow, Spurs are on fire at the moment. Like, And that might be down to the way that, that Conte plays. You know, his style isn't quite... a that attractive as such but I think Spurs just need some new energy just some new you know look at what Kulusevski and Bentan have done I know their their impact wasn't necessarily immediate but you know once they settled you know they, they gave Spurs a new dimension it's that that simple you know Bentan this season has been on another level and Kulusevski as we mentioned earlier in the show you know when he fell out of the the side because of his uh, hamstring injury you know Spurs lost they lost a bit of their mojo, really, and and they these are the those are the kind of signings that really can be the difference between you know top four and 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 finishing outside or a trophy. So I think Spurs need some statement players that really improve the squad depth and and you know give a wake up call to those players that are currently in the squad. They need um, you know a kick up the backside really to to keep them on their toes, motivated and playing at the top level. And ultimately, you know, these little signings of players like Brian Hill, not not to say I don't think he's a very talented young player, but he's not going to play. You know, you need players that are going to be ready to compete now. Um, you know, I know Hoiberg isn't a player that's universally popular, even though, you know, he is a, a great a great player at Spurs. But he's, he's the kind of player that, to me, would improve Spurs. You know, someone that drives the standards, gives 100%. You know, he would he gives spirit. He's... Um, you know, a fighter. These are the kind of players that Spurs need on board with them, and um, just improving that squad depth. You know, there's certain departments um, that are just light for, for Spurs, and, and you know, once there's injuries, they're not the same team. We know it's all about ready-made players with Antonio Conte, and 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 we can see that. Um, you know, he always uses players that he trusts and knows can do a job. Um, I've seen a lot of reports in the last couple of weeks, Ryan, saying that. Uh, Spurs need a right wing back, they need a centre back, they need a midfielder. Even you said about creative midfielder, you said it in the summer, so did I. I even mentioned Christian Eriksen, I think you did as well. Um, a striker's even being mentioned. Um, now, I ask that question again, what, what is realistic for Tottenham in the January transfer window and where are Tottenham's real weaknesses? You know, For me personally, I think that a right wing back definitely needs to come into this team because this system is so important to Antonio Conte. Um, and I think if crosses actually came in from the right-hand side, we might score more goals. Um, where do you 
what what do you see happening in this window and what do you think Conte really wants to to fix in this team? Definitely a winger. And I know that sounds quite bizarre, really, because, you know, if you look at Spurs' forward options in terms of when everyone fit, you know, Charles and Son, Kulisewski, Lucas Moura and Brian Hill. But as I mentioned, you know, recently when there's been injuries to Richarlison and Kulisevsky, the, the drop-off in quality has been so significant that it's actually been quite damaging for Spurs, really. Um, you know, it forced the change of system to a 3-5-2 because, quite frankly, you know, Moore and, and Brian Hill were not deemed capable of, of stepping in and, and really keeping Spurs at that same level. Um, but once again, the, you know, the kind of thing there is that, Brian Hill will probably go, but he he won't leave unless a replacement comes in. So there is kind of a dynamic there, and Spurs obviously will need to to juggle the the financial structure of their their wage books and stuff. So you can't just have signing loads of players. You know, at Spurs, it's very much seems to be one in one out. I do think there will be be exits as well. Um, also, that creative midfielder. You know, if if there is a player that is out there that is available. Uh, I know Roslan Malinowski from Atalanta has once been looked at, for example. Um, that's the kind of player that Spurs would be interested in, certainly Conte. Um, because again, you know, I'll go back to that point I made about the Bournemouth game. You know, when Spurs are 3-5-2 at the moment, it's very flat in midfield. There's no kind of creative playmaker as such. Um, you know, I think someone like James Madison would be a, a realistic long-term target for Spurs. But, you know, the chance of, chances of that you know, being executed in January are pretty much minimal. Um, I'm not aware of how much money Spurs have at hand to spend in January and how much they're prepared to to invest in the winter market. But certainly it will be about plugging gaps in their squad and actually assessing the picture and, and really deciding, you know, what kind of areas need to be improved. I know you mentioned right back, right wing back, but you know, at the moment with Spence, Doherty and, and Emerson, you know, whether any of those are good enough is another question altogether. But I don't envisage them signing another right wing back because you had three. You know, they have to get rid of one of them. Um, you know, I feel like there will be some forward planning for the summer as well. Obviously, Longley's um, loan we mentioned about. But I, I still think a top-class left-sided centre-back would certainly be, you know, one Spurs would be open to doing. I think Gavardio is a, a player that is a long-term target. But I think the problem Spurs have is, you know, with every performance at the moment at the World Cup, his price tag is just going up and up and up. I know Chelsea and Manchester City are also interested in him. So it's about being clever. It's about exploring opportunities, really. That you know, the January market is very unique. It's not one where you tend to see loads of big deals. Although we have seen you know big deals in the past, like Van Dijk, but it's more about opportunities that are presented from uh, from and by agents and clubs. And I think. Spurs will try and shop clever as opposed to, you know, blowing a massive amount of cash on on players. Um, and I think that'll be a theme that's consistent throughout the Premier League as well. Ryan, you mentioned about possibly offloading one of our right-backs, um, Emerson Royale. Uh, there has been a number of reports in the last couple of weeks from various sources stating that Inter Milan um, and other clubs are interested in him. Um, is there any truth in that? And, and some fans have, have said... Well, why don't we go for, for Denzel Dumfries and, and do a swap? Yes. Um, to be honest, Chris, I would take a lot of the... It sounds um, It sounds like I'm not um, sort of looking down on, on these as such, but I would take a lot of the Italian reports with a pinch of salt, especially with uh, Emerson, Emerson um, Royale. I've seen a lot of stuff in recent weeks, like Juventus and stuff, but, you know, a lot of it just gets snowballed from, you know, these reporters on Twitter that don't actually write any articles at all, they don't work for any publications. They start a transfer rumour and they've got a massive following and then it yep. just gets put onto a lot of the uh, aggregator pages as such. So I don't think there's any firm interest um, really in Emerson. I know Atletico Madrid have looked at him in the past, but in terms of anything imminent, not aware of anything, but that's not to say that it can't materialise. I think he's a player that is, respected um you know quite surprisingly by some european clubs um you know hypothetically i think that dumfries swap would be a great deal for spurs if that was something that was actually viable um i know chelsea are interested in dumfries as well and it wouldn't surprise me if, if united had a look at him if they moved aaron wambasaka on but 
honestly, there's nothing really imminent with with Emerson Royale, which um, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> Ryan, before I give you uh, loads of names where you can either um, say, yes, Spurs are interested and there is real truth in it or, or dismiss them, um, are there any names that you're aware of that Tottenham are actively uh, tracking at the moment, looking to sign in yeah. January? Yeah, so you mentioned we we talked about the the playmaker. I think Malinowski is a live option. Whether it's one that Spurs are going to go sort of all in for, I don't know. To be honest, it's more like a, an opportunity that's presented itself, and and it seems like Malinowski is someone that's rated by uh, Conte. He's a hard worker, and he provides you know goals, assists. He's been very effective in in Serie A with Atalanta, and actually played in a similar system. So. You know, stylistically, it, it makes sense. And I believe his Atalanta contract's coming to an end. Yeah. Um, I think you retweeted one of my stories as well, that, that Spurs were looking at um, Piero Hinsapai from um, Ecuador and Bayer Leverkusen. Yeah. Now, he's a player that's that's been tracked quite closely by Spurs because the impact he's made in Europe since arriving from South America has actually been really impressive. And it he's a, he's a player that's really highly thought of in Germany. So... That's one that Spurs have, have continued to look at, but they're not the only club doing so. Um, in terms of, of other targets, there's nothing really concrete at the moment to suggest who Spurs could move for. But at the same time, what I'd say on that is that's pretty much the same with a lot of clubs. I know there's um, you know some more concrete uh, links with some of other of Spurs' big rivals, but you have to remember, you know, we're in the middle of a World Cup at the moment. I think. Um, although clubs will be working behind the scenes, you know the kind of there's not really an appetite for uh, for big significant transfer stories at the moment. I think once the club football returns, that little stretch we have heading into the new year, I think it's going to really explode because you know ultimately, given how competitive the Premier League's become now, a good January transfer window could prove the difference between you know edging some of your rivals and. You know, especially with Newcastle now in the picture, it's it's kind of a big seven. And obviously there's only four Champions League spots and it, it's so important to get Champions League football in terms of financial uh, rewards that, you know, I really think we'll see a, the majority of the big six um, heavily active in January. Because of the World Cup, Ryan, do you expect a busier January transfer window or a quieter one? hard to say I think you know there will be a lot of players that attract interest from the World Cup and we'll probably see some some more unlikely deals um in that sense you know players that you know hadn't really been in in the in the shop window before the World Cup you know we always see a few sort of Mexican gems or or someone plucked out of of thin air and, and earn a move I mean Enna Valencia being one after the 2014 World Cup got a move to to West Ham um from from Mexico, I believe. And, you know, he's again been someone that's been quite impressive. So they're the kind of deals that happen. And I would also say that, you know, this um, five, six week interval was actually given sporting directors, board members and, and managers the chance to sit down and actually strategically plan for January in it in greater detail. Because, you know, when there's three fixtures a week, uh, certainly if you're in Europe during a, a club season, there isn't always the time to to really sort of uh, plan and, and break that down. And I think one of the clubs we'll see most active actually is Arsenal because, you know, the feeling I kind of get from those I, I speak to at Arsenal is they want to capitalise on on their situation. Um, and I, I feel like Spurs will, will also be needing to, to follow in that kind of line of thinking that if they don't improve their squad, they could, could get left behind in the top four race. Yeah. Kim Min Jae is a name that keeps coming up in every uh, transfer window. Um, do you think the Spurs could possibly get this one over the line? I don't know, to be honest, Chris. I, I kind of get the feeling that the chance might have been and gone. Um, he was a player yeah. that was tracked right back from his uh, his days playing in China for, um, I think it was uh, Beijing Guowan, or excuse my pronunciation on that. But he then went to Fenerbahce and still there was interest from Spurs. Um, but Stad Ren and Napoli both agreed to deal with, with Fenerbahce and he ended up deciding to join Napoli and you know, he really hasn't looked back. And, and actually, I didn't see him today and I know South Korea conceded a lot of goals, but whenever I've seen him this season, you know, I've, I've watched the opener against Uruguay and also watched 
the Champions League matches against Liverpool this season. Now, he is like, he's like Koulibaly again, you know, at Napoli, how good Koulibaly was. You know, and their recruitment, Napoli, has been so impressive that I think they could now be looking at another 60, 50, 60 million pound centre-back with Kim. And I know he isn't a, um, you know, a sexy name as such, and he's not someone that's going to be, you know, on the back page of all the gossip columns. But although there has been quite a lot of speculation about him, I must say, he's a player that, you know, he's only 26, I think. He's at the perfect age, and I think he could be a real prospect that costs sort of 40, 50 million now. So I don't know with, with Spurs, you know, it, I know there's long-standing interest, but, you know, unless they're going to pay that kind of money, it'd be hard to say on that one. James Madison is a name that you mentioned earlier. Um, what is the realistic chance of actually Spurs signing him? Is, is is there genuine interest from Conte? Does he like James Madison? Would he like him to come to Tottenham? I couldn't tell you on, on Conte specifically, but I know from Tottenham as a club, Madison's a player that's been appreciated right back to Mauricio Pochettino's days at the club. Um, you know, what he achieved in his first season at Leicester um, in terms of making that step from the championships look so comfortable was, uh, you know, really impressive. And what what's, you know, eye-catching about Madison is he's been really consistent. Um, there has been a few sort of dips, but if you look at his numbers in terms of goals and assists, there's not been anyone better really in the Premier League other than Harry Kane over the past two seasons. So I think Spurs would be, you know, silly not to be interested, particularly given they're, you know, should be open to signing a creative midfield player at the moment, one that could give them that that flexibility to switch to a 3-5-2 um, instead of a 3-4-3. But again, you know, Brendan Rodgers loves James Madison. You know, he literally, he's one of the favourite players he's ever worked with. Um, so he, he won't really be keen on, on selling him. And, you know, Leicester like to drive a hard bargain. We saw with Harry Maguire, they literally backed United into a corner to the point where United just went, oh, go on then, we'll pay it 80 million. So that would have to be the case for Madison as well, particularly given the form he's been in. I don't envisage it happening, certainly in January, but the summer, you know, from Madison's perspective, you've got to look at it as he's going to want to play Champions League football. So as much as he loves life at Leicester, I think, you know, Spurs is a realistic move for him. Ryan, goalkeeper and captain Hugo Lloris is out of contract at Spurs in 2024. Um, there's been lots of rumours and reports stating that Spurs are interested in Ilan Melier of uh, Leeds United. Any truth in this one? Because, of course, there will come a time in the near future when Spurs will start thinking about a long-term replacement for Lloris. I think that time's already come, to be honest with you, Chris. I think Spurs are actively open to the idea of signing a goalkeeper, even though Lloris, you know, is the, the number one and, um, you know, obviously a massive leader in the dressing room. I think the kind of profile Spurs are looking for at the moment is someone that could come in and provide immediate competition with Lloris, keep him on his toes and improve the goalkeeper setup, but actually with a view to becoming number one. Obviously, Melier would uh, tick that box, but I don't really see Spurs as, as strong contenders for Melier. I think... Um, with all due respect, I think he's a, a good Premier League goalkeeper and he's obviously young and he's going to improve. But I think, you know, Spurs would probably be looking for someone a little bit more established. Um, and I say established, what I mean by that is someone that is going to be on that same level as, as Hugo Lloris, really. And, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say Elan Melier is in the top five goalkeepers in the Premier League or, or even close to that, really. I would actually say he's in the bottom the bottom 10 and that's not to say he might not become a top level keeper because you know what he's achieved in his short career so far has been impressive and he's highly thought of in France but I don't really see that as one with legs at the moment. Is it true that Spurs are really interested in Anthony Gordon because this is a name we keep seeing uh, coming up um, it's been uh, actively said a number of times around 60 million pounds could Everton uh, take £60 million pounds if Spurs were to offer that figure? It's difficult because you know there'd be riots at Goodison Park if Anthony Gordon left. Um, Spurs' interest is very much genuine. Um, he's a player that's very highly appreciated by um, the board and Conte as well. And, you know, we saw Chelsea's interest as well. His stock really kind of exploded last year. 
despite the fact that he still probably isn't really delivering the numbers that would be expected of a player worth, you know, 67, 70 million. So yeah. it's hard to envisage Spurs paying that kind of money for a player that's probably not even going to start for them. So I don't know. It's definitely one to, to keep an eye on and the interest is 100% real. So, um, yeah, that's what I'd say on Gordon. Right, it does seem that uh, some of these names do get recycled in these transfer windows because another name I keep seeing coming up, particularly now the World Cup is here as well, Weston McKinney. Um, Fab- Fabio Prasci is a, a huge admirer of the player. Uh, is there any truth that Spurs are interested in him and could he po- possibly sign either in the January window or indeed the summer? Yes, I think so. I think Spurs is interested in Weston McKinney is very much genuine and there's actually been discussions over a deal in previous transfer windows. Um, it's one that has, like I said, been you know in the works, but not quite come off for, for one reason or another. And, and like you said, he's, he's very highly appreciated by Paratici. Um, so I see that as one that could happen and he would provide you know Tottenham with something a little bit different in a box-to-box sense. He's someone that can affect the game at both ends of the pitch. I think that was evident in USA's draw with England recently. So... Yeah, that is certainly one that, you know, if that was to materialise in in the coming transfer windows, I really wouldn't be surprised. Right, and lastly, um, possible sales and loans. Um, Now, we've got Regulon, Winks, Ondombele and Lacelso out on loan at the moment. Of course, uh, none of them got on the plane to South Korea, as we spoke about in the summer. Um, what do you expect to happen um, to these four? Because, of course, Harry Winks hasn't even kicked a ball so far for Sampdoria. He's now just had surgery. The Celso um, hasn't gone to the World Cup of Argentina. He's just had surgery. Um, what do you expect to happen to these four players? Spurs will want to get rid. Simple as that. I think, you know, the longer it's left, the, the more the, the value decreases. You know, I think certainly with some of them, Spurs made a mistake not trying to pursue a permanent sale last year. I think these loans are, you know, the only possible positive on, on those four is, you know, and Dombele has shown glimpses, um, as we know he usually does at Napoli, that, that could entice him into a permanent deal. But the others, not really so. I know Lo Celso is highly rated by Villarreal. Um, but... Again, Spurs just need to get rid now. You know, the longer they leave it, the, the value decreases. I don't envisage a, a way back from at Spurs, um, unfortunately, especially with Winks. You know, it's a sad one because he's a, a Tottenham lad. And when he came through, he was so important, really, to how Spurs played under Pochettino. But he just doesn't seem to be at that required level anymore, unfortunately. Ryan, someone did ask the question earlier um, um, about naming rights. Is there any news on the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium naming rights? Not from me, Chris, unfortunately. I don't have a, a scoop on that, so to speak. But um, I know it's something that is, you know, firmly under discussion. But, um, yeah, as far as I'm aware, there's there's no kind of update on that at the moment. Do, do you know if there was any truth in um, Amazon or Google? Do you know if Spurs were actively talking to these companies? It looks like, um, I don't know about Amazon, but Google certainly looked like one that definitely had legs, but I'm, I'm not quite sure what happened with those discussions because they seem to go very hot and cold, um, you know, from what, what we read through separate media reports. Um, but, you know, I, I think we probably will see movement on it, in, not in terms of Google, but the, the stadium, because it's a huge, you know, a massive cash opportunity for, for Tottenham in terms of sponsorship and, you know, bringing some extra investment into the club. So, you know, they'd be silly really not to um, to look at, you know, welcoming offers on that front. Two last very quick questions for you, Ryan. Um, how many players do you think the Spurs will bring in in the January window? And uh, where do you think Spurs will finish in the Premier League at the end of the season? Good questions. I think it's hard to, it's hard to say with Spurs because, you know, we have known in the past there have actually been quite tight in terms of bringing players in, certainly um, in that season under Poch, I think it was, when they didn't sign anyone. Um, you might correct right. me on that. We're, we're, I, 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 love a, I love a fact, and it, it was 518 days without signing under Pochettino, and he still took us to a Champions League final. What about that? Yeah, that's, that's the one. That is, that is unbelievable, really. Um, I reckon Spurs could bring in a few, certainly two or three, um, similar to last year. And... I fancy Spurs to get in the top four, to be honest. I think 
I just with Harry Kane, if he stays fit and Son, you know, it's just a lot of goals. Even if you're shipping goals, you know, you're scoring a lot. And um, you know, certainly with the likes of Chelsea at the moment, you don't really see where the goals come from as such. So I think that works in Spurs' favour. Although um, I do think it will be interesting to see how the World Cup has affected, you know, the first half of the campaign when it returns on uh, Boxing Day. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for, for joining me this evening, uh, talking about Tottenham Hotspur and giving your insight in the uh, on the January transfer window as well. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you on social media, what you're up to at the moment, and of course, plug your YouTube channel as well. Yeah, um, no problem, Chris. Thanks for inviting me on. I appreciate it. And I hope, you know, it's been a, a little bit of an enjoyable show, even in the World Cup. You know, obviously club football has taken a backseat, but um, it's still good to, to talk about the transfers and stuff. Um, so my Twitter handle is at Ryan Taylor Sport, um, but my YouTube channel, which will be very active in January with with transfers, is Taylor Talks Transfers. Um, I'm sure Chris will be very kind enough to plug a little link down the bottom of the description for you all. Um, I did actually get a really nice, uh, not only subscribers, but some really nice comments from some of your subscribers, actually, Chris, after the last one. That you know, some of them actually took the time to to write really complimentary pa- paragraphs, which uh, was actually quite touching, really. So uh, it shows you've got a really uh, a good set of uh, supporters on here and a, a good following. And, and once again, I wanted to say thank you for uh, for getting me on the show. It's, it's been an enjoyable hour or so. Well, Ryan, I would love to, ha- love to have you back in the January transfer window, where, of course, I'll be throwing names at you and then uh, you can be telling me your thoughts again um, in a couple of months' time. So I uh, can't wait to have you back on. Um, thank you Absolutely. so much. And, and, and thank you to everybody for watching and listening. If you don't subscribe to the channel as yet, please do hit that subscribe button. And if you're listening to this on an audio platform, please do hit that follow button and leave a review if you can. And I'll see you on the next one. Until then, come on, you Spurs. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 24-7, with supplies and solutions for every industry, and access to product specialists ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.